Good evening, welcome to the open hearing of the Community Preservation Committee of Northborough. This open meeting of the Community Preservation Committee is being conducted remotely consistent with Governor Baker's executive order of June 16, 2021, an act relative to extending certain COVID-19 measures adopted during the state of emergency. All members of the Community Preservation Committee are allowed and encouraged to participate remotely. The order allows the Community Preservation Committee to meet entirely remotely so long as reasonable public access is afforded so that the public can follow along with the deliberations of the meeting. The public is encouraged to follow along using the posted agenda. Members of the public who wish to view the live stream in the meeting may do so by going to Northborough Remote Meetings on YouTube. Ensuring public access does not ensure public participation unless such participation is required by law. This meeting will feature the opportunity for public comment, as well as presentations by our applicants for the FY 2023 Community Preservation Funds. Um, I would like to now confirm the presence of members on the committee, and I'll ask for you to reply uh, when I call your name by acknowledging that you are here. That would be Peter Martin. Present. Leslie. Here. Andy Dowd. Present. Andy Clark. Present. Millie Milton. Present. And, oh, Todd Helwig. Here, finally. And John Campbell is here. Uh, we have seven of our members, that is a quorum, and we are prepared to continue. So I'm gonna go over the, uh, the agenda and our goals for tonight's meeting and the remainder of the public hearings. But before I do that, I, I just wanna add one last time my accolades for Kathy Jubert, a retired town planner, who has been our guide on the Community Preservation Committee since its inception and its first meetings in 2005. This will be the first hearing for which she is not attending and guiding us as our staff liaison and advisor. And uh, she will be missed in that role, but without her guidance early on, uh, her knowledge, her experience of how things are done, we would have gone more crazy than we already are. So for that, I, <laughs> I, um, I, we are blessed to have had her. I, I wish she was here tonight. I miss the snacks in her office because I'm hungry. But, um, <laughs> Kathy, if you're watching, thank you for being with us. And if not, oh yeah, uh, I'm sure she's watching. We'll <laughs> yeah, be thinking of you. I'm sure she has nothing else to do. You never know. You never know. <laughs> no, it's true. Anyway, back to business. Um, tonight's goal is to hear presentations by each of the applicants for FY23 Community Preservation Funds. We're going to ask the applicants to briefly state their case for applicability of their project and its high points and to do so in a 10 minute time frame if possible. Our, our goal for tonight is to go through all of the applicant presentations in that brief format. And then we will follow up in our next public hearing, uh, currently scheduled for January 27, same time, Thursday, 7 p.m. And at that point, we'll continue deliberations on the applications. We may call back one or more of the applicants and we may make our decisions uh, and vote on those decisions at that time. So again, tonight, um, brief presentations by each applicant and a round of questions from any of our staff, I'm sorry, any of our uh, members, and then we'll move on to the next one. 
So having said that, uh, the first item on the agenda is a uh, project in a historical category, Brigham Street Burial Ground Beautifications. And I am looking for who is presenting from historical. I see Norm Corbin. Norm, if you are with us, please unmute and make yourself visible. Do I have to let him in? Okay. There we go. Sorry about that. We're getting a little rusty. That's okay. That's all right. Got a lot of history to think about. <laughs> all right. So the first pro the program we're reviewing right now has to do with the beautification of the how of the excuse me the Brigham Street Cemetery. Um, I went back and looked up. We've had this on our on our to do list for almost uh, since 2014. So this is something that we've been anticipating for quite some time. Um, the, the what's driven it for this year essentially is the fact that there's about 20 dead trees at the cemetery, and uh, no, knowing that these trees are dead and they're going to be a problem, uh, we, we decided to move this particular project up. Um, so what it is is three parts of the project. One is the removal of the trees. The second part is we've always wanted to fence in the, the, the cemetery uh, along Brigham Street to protect it. A lot of people still think it's a vacant lot and with more and more we're trying to make people realize no, there are some 40 to 60 burials there. It is a burial site and it needs, we need to be respectful of that. And we'd also like to just uh, do a little grading if, if you've been there recently, you'll see there's a, a new sign that's been put up to recognize it is a cemetery. And there's also been an uh, information board that we put up this year. And in that area, we'd like to just put some gravel in so people could actually pull off the road a little bit for safety's sake and um, take a walk and appreciate what we have for our history at the Brigham Burial Ground. So that's it in a nutshell. Um, we're looking for, it's a hundred and... Let me see if I get the numbers right. The funding level on that is uh, $137,000. About half of that has to do with tree removal and the other half has to do with the, uh, the fencing we're putting up. And there should be a picture of the fencing somewhere. If I have to do a shared screen, I can try to do that but we're looking at something that's comparable to what they've done at the common in the center of town. It would be granite post, but instead of having um, wooden uh, structures between the posts, it would be a uh, essentially a black heavy chain. So that's, that's the plan. Do we have questions on the plan? I'll start Norm um, just by asking, how did you arrive at the budget? The budget was, uh, I was hoping Scott would be here. Uh, Scott got the quotes for the tree removal and the um, fencing. I can, it sh should be all itemized in the, uh, the request that we put in. So it was all through Scott. It's kind of Scott's a joint here. project with DPW and ourselves. Ah, so Scott's online, so he might be able to answer that if you need specifics, John. Uh, certainly, Norman. Um, Mr. Chairman, so we, uh, Norm talked to me a little bit about the scope of work that he was interested in. I reached out to uh, two of our vendors, um, 
One is our, uh, our tree contractor that's been on a contract with the town for a number of years to get a price for the tree work. Um, the price for the tree work based on our FY22, which is in calendar 21, uh, bid prices for the tree work was uh, $35,200. And we've added to that um, <clears throat> approximately $10,000 uh, as, as related to contingency uh, expenses and likely uh, 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 cost of service uh, increases. Um, these, this contract was bid out in uh, this time last year over the winter before we hit pretty substantial cost increases. The, um, so we have a 10%, a $10,000 um, uh, contingency in the tree removal budget. So the, the cost of the tree removal is 45,000. The uh, posts and uh, the, the perimeter fence, so to speak, uh, we got a price from two different vendors. Um, we picked a price somewhat in the middle. The price range was um, sixty-two to $50,000. So um, you know, we, we added a little bit of a contingency on that. That price was uh, secured in August of this year. Uh, there's other options that can, be, can, can uh, reduce the cost of the perimeter um, if we need to. But again, this is based on what Norm described, which is uh, eight by eight uh, concrete posts and um, uh, black, steel, black, black steel chain in between. I then included some uh, costs for loam and seeding, the uh, areas where the stumps are ground out. And um, because of the cost of the project, we have to publicly procure it. So I would need to have a, a bid package put together um, and put out on the street for that. So that's how we got to the price. Uh, to put it in perspective, $40,000 for tree work. To have a tree crew come out with a bucket truck, a log truck, and a chipper generally is about $10,000 a day. So the 40 grand is about four days of work, um, give or take. So that's, that's, that's how we arrived at the, the cost. Scott, you said uh, concrete posts. I assume you meant granite? I meant granite, I'm sorry, granite okay. posts. Okay. The ones we have around the perimeter of the town common are 10 by 10s. Uh, we originally started with that 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 uh, configuration. Um, it was very expensive. It's a it's a specialty size, so we dropped it down to eight by eight. Um, we're allowed to get wider spacing with the chain as opposed to the uh, cedar rails like at the town common. So that again uh, reduced the cost. You say perimeter. It's actually not the whole perimeter. It's just the no. Brigham Street. It's side. the whole frontage, and then um, we have twenty foot returns on each side. Um, just to give it some some clean ends and oh, to okay. prevent people from kind of scooching around with their wheelbarrows and uh, leaf 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 buckets. Okay. Sorry, John, if I jumped in before protocol allowed. <laughs> Not much protocol here. Jump in if you're if you have a okay, mind to. I have, one, to I have one more quick. I have one more quick question. Um, uh, chipping. I know we had talked before, and I think it was uh, misunderstood about. I didn't mean uh, grinding the stumps and keeping those. I meant the trees themselves. Can we keep the chips? Can that be used along the back, you know, the back fence end, or anything like that? Or do all the does all the debris have to be removed? We have all the chips you want. I we 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 dispose of chips at the highway garage every year at an expense. So we can use all the chips you want. Plus, we'll provide more if you want them. No, no, I meant, can they, I was looking at it as a way to maybe um, save money on it, that we, instead of them taking them away, that they chip them and leave them on the site. 
Well, the, 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 it doesn't save any money because the, the, the crew is doing the same thing. The chip body truck shows up with a chipper. The crew feeds the, um, the brush into the chipper and either shoots into a, um, into a box and leaves or then the crew has to spread it out. So it probably would cost okay. actually more money to okay. spread the chips. All right. Sure. All right. Thank you. Yep. So you just mentioned stump grinding. Is that in the estimate, Scott? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We have um, from the contract, I walked the site with them. Um, we have five days of a bucket truck, five days of a log truck uh, with a, uh, five days of a stump grind, of a um, chipper and uh, two days of stump grinding. So the stump grinder will come in afterwards. Other questions? So, I guess, Norm, it sounds to me like the, the net effect of this is to protect the, the cemetery from the falling, potentially falling trees and to make the cemetery more visible by virtue of, of, the, of the fencing. Is that really what's going on here? That is what's going on here. Uh, we're trying to make it so when people drive by, really, so they don't, rec don't think of it as being an empty lot, which is still a common thought of that, of that the burial ground. Mm -hmm. And the trees are dead. That that I don't know what killed them all, but in the last two years, a, a lot of these trees uh, are dead. Norman, do you have? There's several historic projects here. Do, where do you place this one in the priority of projects? Um, this one would be a prior. Uh, a, primary for us because of the dead trees. So this would be number one because of the dead trees. Uh, the other one that we have is signage, which is, you know, that we certainly would like to have it done this year, but uh, in terms of a priority, I, I would have to give that a second priority. Other questions on the Brigham Street burial ground beautification? Yeah, uh, Norm, is that once we put all the money into the fencing and everything, is the town on board with maintaining it all? Uh, Scott? <laughs> yes, we currently maintain the property. Um, this will actually ease the maintenance of it quite a bit. We can get out there with a, a more conventional lawnmower. Um, right now, the, 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 the terrain is somewhere between what, what a brush hog needs and what a conventional mower needs with the, the undulations, the roots, the, there's a, it's a very challenging area to, um, to maintain. Another note is every, probably every th three or four years, I, I um, hand deliver to the neighborhood letters to everyone reminding them that this is a burial ground and you are not to be dumping uh, yard, yard waste there. And it, I don't do that because I like to, I do that because it needs to be done. Mm. Thank you. Just one more from me, Scott. Um, the, the tree cutting, the, does the town not do some of its own tree removal with your own equipment? Is we that do. A possibility? We do. We remove approximately 65 trees a year from the roadside. Um, they're public shade trees. They're um, safety hazards. Uh, these trees would fall so far down the priority list. I don't, I don't know when we would get to them. Um, we could we could chip away at them. 
but no, no pun intended. We could chip mm. away at it over the next five, five or six years and start, start getting them down. It would take quite some time. Um, it's, it's an unpredictable uh, task at Public Works in, the, in that our tree crew is also the crew that fixes potholes and fixes drains. So right now we're only halfway through the list from 2021 and it's mm. now 2022. Understandable. Anyone else on this project? Hearing none, um, thank you, Norm, for that presentation. The next agenda item is also an historic project that you actually mentioned a minute ago, the Howard Street Cemetery signage for Kaiser section. Tell us why you want that. Very good. So how many people know the term, the Kaiser section of the Howard Street Cemetery? <laughs> That's what I thought. That's that is actually the active part of the cemetery. It's beyond. It's just beyond Howard Brook. It's where all the new burials are being done. Um, certainly, it's not a commonly named. It's not a commonly used term for that part of the cemetery. But if you can, you can access it from two sides, you can access it from the Howard Street side, and you can access it from the Whitney Street side. Uh, both sides have. Um, stone pillars at the entryway, but there is no signage. Now we, several years ago, we put in uh, what I think are very nice signs for uh, the Brigham Street burial ground, the Howard Street burial ground in the Howard Street Cemetery. What's lacking is there's no good signage for the very active cemetery, which is just peculiar. Um, the reason it's come under our jurisdiction is that that land, which is owned by, the reason it's called Kaiser is because it was purchased from the Kaiser family back in 1965. So it's more than 50 years ago. So it's, it's more than 50 years ago, that's kind of where we can uh, call it under the historic uh, designation. So it's identical. Do, do you have pictures of what this, the uh, sign looks like in the, in the package? No, all right. Um, if I can, uh, if I'm allowed to do a shared screen, I can pop it up so you can at least see what, what you're looking at. So we're looking at two signs, one for the Whitney Street entrance, one for the Howard Street entrance. entrance. Um, so make it more clear that uh, there's a cemetery back there. And if, if someone who's not from town, uh, it would be hard to find. So do you wanna, want me to try to find uh, the picture? You can see what we're looking at. If you have it there on your computer, ready to pop up, feel free, but don't go to a lot of trouble. Uh, if I did this right, can you see it? Yes. All right. So that's the one at the Howard Street Cemetery. It's right by the marble pillars that go to the uh, oldest part of the Howard Street Cemetery. So that's, we would just make a very similar sign. We'll, we'll work with, um, Scott on the, the specific wording that we should use for that entrance for the entrances. Very good, thank you. Um, Norm, on that, is it going to be double sided so you can see it, or is it just? Yeah, they are double sided, so you can see it okay. either coming or going. Okay. <clears throat> Other questions for Norm? So again, this sounds like just a 
not just, but primarily a visibility project, right? There's no extra historical information being conveyed other than, than the identity of, of the space as a cemetery and its date. Correct. It's, it's really to identify a cemetery and its date. So that instead of saying founded 1749, it probably will say uh, 1965, if, I, my, if my memory is correct. Mm -hmm. So if this is part of the active cemetery, why not just have this paid for out of like normal user fees? That I don't know. Uh, I mean, Scott, if it's visibility that, for a, it's visibility for a, a thing that people are using that's not especially historic. What user fees, Todd? Well, if it's active, I assume I don't know that much about how cemeteries work, but you must we be charging to the to cemetery there. now. I don't think anybody can just go, can they? I, yeah. think they I don't think you charge admission to a cemetery. Would you um, buy a plot? You do buy a lot, usually. Yeah, I would think that this is part of either maintenance or capital of of a current asset, not necessarily of a preservation of a historic asset. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll disagree with that because, as I mentioned earlier, anything that's older than 50 years old can come under historic designation. So it does it does fit a historic criteria. You're asking, you're asking good questions, but I just want to make sure that was clear. That's fair. This is older than 50 years? Yeah, it's, uh, the, the land was purchased in uh, 1965, but I don't think the burials started there. They were a little after we moved into town, so the burials may not have started there until the late 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, we, we moved so in 84, so the late 80s, yeah. So is it fair to say it's been active for less than 40 years? Yeah, you could. Very well. Any other questions on this project? Uh, a question for, maybe this is Scott, does the cemetery have, a, uh, have its own budgets or is it just rolled into the town budget? The cemetery is funded through the general fund. We receive, we, we charge, um, $600 per lot, and that covers the purchase of the lot and perpetual care. Um, we do have operating budget uh, for the cemetery that is, again, out of the general fund. It includes um, funding for um, improvements. Uh, in particular, you saw the work done at the Veterans Memorial, maybe, at um, Howard Street Cemetery. Um, that was paid for out of the operating budget and partially paid for out of a donation from, uh, of labor from a, a local veteran. The, um, the, most of the operating uh, expenses was, uh, associated with the cemetery are related to fertilizer, um, the maintenance of the building, you know, heat in the building, the, you know, equipment, those types of things, burial equipment. But we do have funds um, periodically for improvements. This would probably be a two-year uh, process to fund this you know one sign one year another sign the other year because we really we don't have um, that kind of money in the under the operating budget for for improvements okay uh, thank you you're welcome
Okay, uh, Norm, appreciate your presentation on that. Sounds like we've covered it. All righty. Well, thanks for hearing me out and good luck with the rest of the uh, interviews. So I'm going to bow out. All right. Thank thanks, you Norm. as always. Thanks, Take care. See you soon. Have Bye -bye. a good night. Yeah, thank you. It's 7.34 p.m. and uh, our, we're on to our next agenda item, Historical Society Shutter Restoration. And I'm assuming we have a new presenter, but I don't know whom that would be. Someone has raised a hand. Looks like we have someone coming in called Zoom user. Hello, that's me. Hello, Zoom user. Yeah, this is uh, Michael Duchesneau. I'm the uh, vice president at the Historical Society. Hi, Michael. I'm, uh, I'm here to uh, represent the society for the uh, application we submitted for the shutter restoration. Excellent, welcome. Thank you. Uh, Please uh, proceed with your presentation. Okay, sure. Uh, so our application is for uh, restoration uh, of the shutters that at one point were on the side of the Historical Society building. Um, I think we included a picture of what the building looked like prior to the uh, 1938 hurricane where the steeple was destroyed and uh, a lot of the shutters were, were also destroyed. Um, so this would be the, I would say it's the completion of the exterior restoration of the building. Um, we did the painting last year with uh, uh, CPC funds. It worked out quite well. And we're looking to add uh, the shutters um, as part of uh, improving historical restoration of the building. Um, you know, I think the, uh, the location of that building right on Main Street, right at the corner of um, School Street, uh, gives it, you know, once with the shutters are there, will help um, with the uh, architectural appeal of that section of the, of the town. Um, so we're looking to, uh, uh, you know, pursue that with, with this grant. Uh, we've uh, looked at eight different uh, vendors or contacted eight different vendors. And the one we've selected is um, the New England Shutter Mills. And they're, um, I think we've all been fairly impressed with their capabilities. They, they design, manufacture, paint, uh, install, these shutters, including the hardware, the the person who we met with on site was very knowledgeable. Um, I think all of the people that were there were fairly impressed with his uh, breadth of understanding of shutters and all that entails. Um, he's also offering us a 20-year guarantee on the shutters themselves and a 10-year guarantee on the paint. So, um, you know, we hope this project uh, is approved so we can move forward on that. Thank you. Any questions? You. I'll start with one. Um, sure. 
Are you replacing the original shutters? Yes. The original shutters that was left, there was only uh, some of the shutters in the front of the building. I think I uh, included some pictures of the shutters that were removed. Uh, they were quite damaged. Um, and the cost to take those apart and restore them, and they were made out of pine. The, I, I forgot to mention that the material that the shutters would be constructed of uh, from New England shutter mills is, will be cedar, which is a much better rot and weather resistant material. So the shutters uh, that were there were only, I think six of them were left and they were in pretty much disrepair. The, the vendor who we were talking with, uh, the New England shutter mills uh, person said it would cost more to replace them, you know, to take them apart and fix them. So the, the consensus was to simply replace them all. Many of them aren't even there anymore. So it's essentially replacing the six that were damaged uh, in the front and then replace the ones that, are, that were there at one point on the sides and the rear. How many total? I believe the, the count was 55 total. Um, no, no, how many, how many quantity of shutters? Uh, yeah, I think it was close to, to 50 or 55 shutters. 50 or 55 shutters. Something like that. I, I don't have the quote directly in front of me, but in that vicinity. And um, did the original building have this many shutters? Wait, you know, yeah, we're uh, looking. In, in, its, in its historical uh, origination? Yeah, as I mentioned, the, uh, the, the, pic the best picture we have that shows the building with the shutters is included in the, in the packet. And they're all of the windows on the side, the both sides, the front and the rear, all had shutters. These, are, these would be uh, custom shutters. If you, if you look at the picture, the, the ones at the bottom are uh, two shutters kind of fused together. The ones at the top are shutters on either side and they extend up because the windows are elongated. So all of those, you know, shutters count as uh, like the ones at the bottom would be two times the three windows and that would be six right on the bottom there. Do you have that picture available to display? Uh, I don't, I can't do that. No, I don't, but I included them in the packet that I sent you. Electronically, it should be there. I, uh, it, I actually forwarded the electronic version of this to um, the committee and Kathy Jolbert. Yes, I understand. Just if you had it available uh, for yeah, the I, I don't have public hearing presentation. Yeah, I don't have that capability in my Zoom world here. Okay, no problem. Uh, other questions by committee members for Michael? Michael, has there been any effort made to make sure that the, the replacement shutters are historically or architecturally appropriate uh, to the building? Yeah, we had quite a bit of discussion with, with the contractor. Uh, and I think I've included also in the packet uh, some information that he provided us that... Uh, uh, discusses his uh, experience and understanding on 
architectural shutters. Um, and uh, as I mentioned, each of these shutters would have to be custom made. Uh, he um, described, and in, in, in the in the uh, the quote that he provided us, I think he he describes what these uh, shutters, um, you know, the style and how they'll be um, uh, how they'll be created. May, you know what they'll look like. Um, so yeah, okay. we're going to try to replace the shutters. The, what I'm trying to say is the shutters that we're going to be um, replacing or creating will be the same shutters that are look that are shown on the on the historical photo that's included in the package. Okay, good, thank you. To, to the extent possible. I mean, it, okay. the, unfortunately, at this point, you know, we've got a fire stand pipe that, and some of these uh, obstructions will have to be, you know, we'll have to work around those. Right. But yeah, we sense it'll be better because it's better material, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. One thing I wanted but, to add also is that uh, Mike also, uh, you know, he's on our the Historic District Commission. So we've reviewed this as well. And Tom Reardon is on Historic now. So he was able to provide architectural um, input into it as well. So it's, I think it's been pretty thoroughly vetted in that regard great. as well. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I, I think what's exciting for me. Uh, is that you know I, I'm anticipating once this project is completed, the architectural feeling and flair of that section of North Pro would be more consistent with how it looked back in, you know, circa the turn of the century. And I think that's the best picture we have. We went through the archives, which is part of the historical society, and um, uh, Ellen, who's who's the archivist, uh, went back and looked and picked this picture out of of all the ones that she, she was able to find. And it really looks, I, I think it'll look really nicely, uh, nice. And also uh, it'll blend in quite well with all the different other historical properties that are adjacent. So I'm, I'm fairly excited about it. I, so are these, sorry, if you, if, if you answered this, Michael, but are these, um, is the installation itself guaranteed for any period of time or the workmanship? Because um, they can be a lot of care. And I just don't know if that's something for maintenance. If, is that something that's included in this? Yeah, as, as I mentioned, he's, it's a 20-year warranty on the shutters themselves. And they're, they're solid cedar wooden shutters. And the, the painting, they'll be painted They'll be primed with an oil base primer and then painted with a semi-gloss latex paint. Um, and so the combination of the, um, you know, cedar, which is a, a, a rot resistant wood combined mm -hmm. with the paint, um, we're looking to, you know, have these shutters around for at least another 20 years or so or longer. Mm -hmm. uh, and the maintenance wise, it goes, you know, I, I don't, I, I keep, it's, it's, it's a painted surface. So as time goes on, obviously the paint will begin to um, wear away and how long it'll take before it needs another paint job. I mean, my guess would be somewhere in the neighborhood of about five to 10 years. Uh, it'll be, you know, the fact that it's oil-based primer with a latex paint and it's rot resistant wood 
um, to me, things I, I think it's going to be closer to the 10 years, but time will tell. But yeah, there will be some maintenance. With any painted surface, there always is some maintenance. And I, right. I, I think this is a, the best you could ask for, you know, short of using plastic or something of that nature. And we're trying right. to keep, we're trying to keep, you know, the spirit, if you will, of the, of the past architectural, uh, you know, uh, forms. And uh, so I think the cedar is, is a really good choice of wood. And now, you know, the, the fellow who was there from New England, Shutter Mills, um, was, was saying to us that, you know, this is the best way to go. So he's been doing this for 20 years and he said he's got over 100,000 shutters installed. So I tend to, uh, and I've looked into other people that have used him and he comes back with pretty, pretty good reviews. Mm -hmm. And is it the intention to keep these open most of the time or actually close well, them? Well, yeah, that's a good question. Um, these will probably not be working shutters. In other words, they won't be able to be opened and closed. The look will be that you can do that. Okay. They, they could be working shutters, but the problem is, is that the obstructions prevent them from closing fully. The obstructions in this case would be um, the storm windows that are in place on the windows themselves. So they won't, because of the storm windows, we won't be able to close them. But when it's completed, it'll look like you could open and close them. Um, but the storm windows are there and the storm windows provides another valuable uh, avenue for, um, you know, insulation of the building that we don't want to lose, obviously. Right. Right. In the good old days, they didn't have those storm windows, so <laughs> they would close these shutters when the storm came. But if you have a hurricane like in the Hurricane of 38, it didn't matter much. All right. Okay. John, if I could just um, add, um, due to the cost of this project, it appears that it may not comply with the public procurement law. Um, as far as estimates go, so that may drive the cost higher. I just think it's important that we're aware of that. What's, what's that actually mean? Sorry. Because it's a public project, it would need, and the amount is above $30,000, it would need to be properly procured. Um, and if that hadn't been done, then the estimates could in fact be, uh, be higher than uh, the one that was provided. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Is it, do you mean prevailing wage on that? Is that what you mean or no? Scott, might you have another comment? Um, I can provide a little procurement clarification. It's work on a building. So we would have to comply with chapter 149 for um, procurement. And any project over $10,000 requires advertising and uh, award to the lowest bidder. The um, technical specifications would have to be developed. Um, advertisement in the, the newspaper, the web, combines, central register, and uh -huh. then um, the bid opening, and then the award goes to the lowest uh, responsible and responsive bidder. And to answer you, Millie, yes, the contractor installing them would have to be uh, would have to pay prevailing wage rates, um, which everybody here knows is about three times what everybody else makes, mm -hmm. and um, they would have to submit certified payrolls. So there's We've run, we've run into this in, a, in other um, projects that are presented based on, um, you know, a, a, a well-meaning um, quote received from a quality contractor who 
may not get the work. This, this isn't our building, though. The Historic Society is uh, considered a, a public entity, and the funds are public dollars. So and it would have to be um, publicly procured. In accordance uh, with can, I, can I make a statement on that? I, we consider ourselves a private entity. The Historical Society uh, is, is not uh, a government. We, we, don't, I mean, we do have a connection to the town in that we provide a place for various town meetings to meet, but I don't understand how you, you would claim that the Historical Society is a public entity. I guess I would. I we, we've we've done projects there before, haven't we? Absolutely. Yes. I don't think I don't think we did that before. You did sure. not. I can certainly inquire um, to our, uh, our chief procurement officer in town, find out um, whether the historic society is deemed a um, public entity. My understanding is that it is, and I confirm that with uh, another peer of mine, but I can, I can definitely let the committee know um, well, in the next isn't few days. The same thing, isn't the same thing going to come up with the housing authority? Isn't that one of the reasons we, we put it in the, the fund that we do to avoid this very issue? Housing authority is a public entity. Um, they, are, they must comply with public procurement but, law. I mean, we, the, the corporation. Oh, the, um, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, mean, I, I just don't know why the housing corporation would be treated would would be able to avoid this and the historical society which seems more remote to me wouldn't but you've said you're going to look at it but that that's my, my yeah, thoughts. we've never considered ourselves a public uh entity at all i mean we've been a private organization since our founding as far as i know and as long uh, as the public the public hearing remains open uh, Mr. Chairman, I can certainly get, gain, uh, gather that information and get it over to you so that when your deliberations and further considerations on January 27th are done, you'll have the information available. So if I might add a question, Scott, assuming that it is that uh, you do come back and it is considered a public uh, entity, are you saying we would then have to prepare specifications, bid this out, get three bids and go through the whole procurement process? And you know, advertise it in the Dodge report and that all that kind of stuff. Is yes, what what, yes, I am. Yes, what 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 I've done for projects like this of this size is you know I work with a a, a vendor that I uh, that I know and I and I trust for their 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 expertise. Um, they help develop a technical specification. Um, you know, we sanitize it to make sure it complies with public procurement, meaning it's not sole sourced. And then, you know, the town or yourself um, goes through the procurement process. How, how is the cost borne? Do we bear that cost or is that a cost that the town bears? That's usually part of the application. Um, so, for example, the, uh, the burial ground uh, fencing we were just talking about. I don't know if you were listening to that one. Yeah, I was. Yes. That project, the cost is one hundred and thirty seven five. Of that, $15,000 is associated with um, the procurement piece. Hmm. Okay, well, we don't have, I can tell you, since I prepared this, I know we don't have uh, anywhere near that amount of money associated with doing what you're asking us to do. If we have to do it, hopefully we don't, but if we do. 
I'll, I'll find out and I can work with you, Mike, yeah. Michael, okay. if, if, um, if it, if it is needed to come up with what a, a reasonable, um, additional cost to, to add to the 55 K. Um, okay. So assuming, assuming that it is added, would I have to revise this, uh, application or is that, does that cast this adrift for another year? Uh, Michael, I think that you, you may need to revise the app. I would advise you to take the time between now and January 27 to consult with Scott. Okay. Uh, or, or others too on the historic commission. Uh, I certainly other, will. Others of your members, um, see if you can get to the bottom of whether that applies or not. Uh, yeah. Todd's, Todd's points are valid, but so, you know, um, make that, make that additional preparation and then, uh, um, resubmit those notes to the town via email or a revised app if you see that that's appropriate and then be, be prepared to come back on the 27th. Can do. We appreciate that. Um, we're trying to keep the presentations brief. So Understood. I'm, I'm going to uh, recommend that we move forward since we have this open question, if that's okay. Sure. Thank you. Thank, thank you for your time. Thank you, thank Mike. You. Yep, thanks, Millie. And committee members also, thank you. Yes, sir. Okay, we're moving on to the next agenda item, which it is now uh, 7.55 p.m. We're moving on to Assabet Park fencing, which I presume is a rec project. And whom do we have presenting? Is it you, Scott? Allie Lane and I are gonna um tag team on this, she'll give you the presentation and I can uh, fill in any of the technical needs if she's available. Oh, she's coming in now. Hey guys, how are you? Hey, Allie, welcome. Our yearly visit. <laughs> <laughs> I come to you with much just... smaller amounts this year. <laughs> sure, that's what they all say. <laughs> well, I know you guys have a lot on your plate this year. So the two that I am presenting tonight are um, pretty straightforward. Um, the Aspen Park fencing project. I know we came to you last year to replace the playground um, due to the co rising cost of everything. That project um, had to be slightly scaled down. Um, and one of the things that had to go was fencing. Scott and I both talked about this for a long time and we felt it was really important to replace the fence that is on the stone wall that's right that goes straight down 135. It's kind of what everybody sees when they drive by. It's kind of the the showpiece for the park and it is extremely old. It looks awful. Um, I've actually been complaining about it for the 20 years that I've been here. Um, and we just felt that, you know, this was a good opportunity to bring forward this project and hopefully get that replaced so that when the playground is finished in the spring summertime, we could fix that fence up as well. So to expand on Allie's uh, description quickly, um, the project estimate was put together in September of 2019 um, for, this, for this committee. We went forward with the work. You can see it's uh, progressing well. Um, during the bidding season, which occurred in July of this year, um, everybody's aware that the cost escalations were, 
were, were, were, were peaking out at that point. Um, we had to cut several pieces out of the project. Um, they can still be added in in the future. We've, we've accommodated it in the design, but we cut out a second shade structure. We cut out almost all of the plantings. Um, we reduced the size of the primary shade structure that's located between the splash pad and the playground. And we eliminated a picnic area. And we also eliminated replacement of that fence. So there will be new fencing at the playground, um, around the playground surround, four foot black chain link fence. Uh, but unfortunately we had to pull the replacement of the fence on the, on the stone wall just due to cost escalations um, that we've, we've seen this, this calendar year. We did get a price from the current contractor um, who we have uh, under contract for the work. The total cost for the fence is $16,700. The request is for 20,000. In the event, some of the posts are found to be deteriorated when they're cleaned and prepped. We did everything we could to get this cost as low as possible. Um, the bent posts will be replaced. The remaining posts that are still in good shape will be uh, sandblasted and painted. Um, we wanted to have some contingency funds in the event. Uh, some of those fence posts are found to be uh, in poor condition, need to be replaced. The current project contingency uh, is $2,150. That's what's remaining in the um, appropriation for, to finish the construction. Members, questions? So, so is, the, is, a, is it appropriate to think about this project as simply a continuation of the playground renovation project? That's a good way to um, uh, describe it, Peter, yes. Just extended time and extended cost due to the economic conditions you're experiencing. That's, a, that's exactly right. Yeah. So this was not included in the original um, request for the playground renovations. It, it was, it was, okay. it was okay. as was the picnic area, two shade structures, okay. um, plantings, but we had to remove a lot of that stuff. What we did is we put it, put a lot of it in as bid alternates. So the base bid was what the bare bones is needed to make the playground usable and compliant. And then we have alternates, you know, bid mm -hmm. alternate one, replace the fencing, bid alternate two, you know, uh, put in the second shade structure. We were not allowed, we were not able to exercise any of the bid alternates because of the cost escalations on the base bid. Right, but this was not on the base bid, I'm asking. That's correct. That's okay, correct. Uh, okay. Is the, is the point of this fencing strictly to keep stuff from flying into the street or is that? That's why the, that's why the fence is there, yes. Um, why are we replacing it? Aesthetics. The fence that's there functions. It's ugly, but it certainly serves the purpose of stopping, you know, kids from launching things from the playground into into South Street. <laughs> I just follow on to Millie's question about the base bid, just to clarify. So it was it, the project that we approved, though, through the CPC that was approved was the fence part of that project that we approved. My understanding is that is yes. Yes, correct. Okay, there we go. All right, thank you. Mm -hmm. and, and, and just to further follow up on that is, um, you've decided that with respect to additional work that could now be done with additional funding at the playground, the fencing is the most important thing to do as opposed to, as you say, the second shade area or the picnic area. Yes, we, we have picnic tables 
in the splash pad area. So that serves as a picnicking facility there, mm -hmm. uh, uh, amenity there. Uh, we have a one shade structure, albeit smaller. So that serves that amenity need. Um, so yes, that the, the, the choice was to, like Allie described it, that's what everybody sees when you drive by and it's, mm -hmm. it's an eyesore, unfortunately. Okay. I don't know, building on Peter's point, um, if you got 20,000 to spend, right. isn't it more important to enhance what's in the park for the people that are using it? Well, <laughs> what we're building now is pretty awesome. Um, if you look at, you know, the structure that we gave you, almost everything on there is being built, taking away the one shade structure. Um, I forget what else you said, Scott. I forget what else we were, had to take away. But area. Yeah. yeah, the primary playground and all the stuff that the kids are going to play on is all there. And as Scott said, we do have seating. We do have a shade structure. Um, aesthetically, we just felt that the look of the of the area was important. Very well. Any are, other? are you replacing it with a the similar look, or just newer, or is there any pictures of something you have in mind? It's three foot black chain link fence okay with uh, with knurled tops and um painted black posts okay it's the same fence that it's going to match what is elsewhere in the playground yeah yeah okay very good um any other comments on this project if not uh ali and scott i'll ask you to move on to your the next project, Design and Project Management of Dog Park, that is also a REC application, correct? Yes. Um, Go for it. I'm very excited to bring this one to you guys because I know we've been talking about it for many years. Um, I know it was brought up in the open space recreation plan, in the master plan, um, and I was you know, disappointed that we were unable to work on the Yellick area in order to get the dog park down there. That was the closest we've come so far since I've been here getting a dog park in town. So we really, really wanna make this happen. We have um, a large group in town that has um, kind of given themselves the name of Northboro Unleashed that are working very closely with the town, trying to get a dog park to happen. Um, we've been talking about it for over 10 years, and we now want to really move forward and make sure we do it the correct way so that what happened with the Yellick project doesn't happen again. So what we're bringing forth to you guys today is um, to hire a landscape architect to do an analysis on, ooh, I'm sorry, analysis on different sites that we have come up with in town. We basically have decided to do this in a three-step process. So the first step is us coming to you and hiring a landscape architect to come up. And basically they're gonna do five potential dog park locations. They're going to do conceptual layouts and prepare for each location. We would engage the community in which ones we think would be the best. Um, they would come up with a land survey and be completed for select site following the preliminary design and cost estimates. Um, step two, is once we decide which piece of property we wanna use, we would have to come um, 
to you and ask to either purchase the land if we don't already own it um, and go through that process. And then step three would be actually building it, which um, we do have alternate sources that we will hopefully be able to use um, Stanton Foundation grants and things like that. Did you have anything to add, Scott? Um, no, you, you summed it up well. I, I, I'd like to add a little bit about the, the Stanton Foundation grant. Um, they award maximum of $250,000 for dog parks. It's a competitive grant program. A lot of our neighboring communities have um, taken advantage of that program. Uh, Auburn uh, recently completed a dog park uh, funded through the Stanton Foundation. The town of Millbury did. The town of Framingham was just awarded funds for it. The way they typically work is the municipality finds the location and determines that it's, it's, it's a viable location. And then they pay up to $25,000 for final design uh, at 90% reimbursement. And then they'll pay up to $225,000 for construction to a maximum of 90% reimbursement. So uh, as the, one of the biggest challenges that we, we all know of when the dog park is citing it. Um, everybody wants one except nobody wants one in their backyard. So uh, the, the right way to do it is with a fully vetted public engagement process. So we don't spend money on the wrong parcel that, that doesn't uh, see any fruition of the project. Other comments, members? So I'm, I'm assuming all this would include, you know, in the design, design uh, location sourcing or location selection is parking and all the other elements that go along with with this is that correct that's that's correct um the goal and objective is is to is to direct our uh, site selection uh toward the stanton foundation which has certain requirements we need to have control of the land there needs to be a potable water source for the for the, for the dogs adequate parking. The parking would have to comply with the parking bylaws in the community. Um, we want neighborhood buy-in because I certainly don't want to put a dog park in an area where people don't want it. Um, so that's that's the siting process. And the, the, it'll, the culmination will be the site we want with a land survey and a conceptual design. So when we go to the Stanton Foundation, we have a viable project with neighbors who want it and, and a, a, a confident design and, and survey that, that, that will work. So do you have any properties in mind? Because it could take a while to find five potential locations. We have a few. Uh, we worked with Northboro Unleashed on um, looking at different parcels in town, some, local, some, some municipally owned, some not municipally owned. Um, there are a handful that we've looked at. Um, they brought a few to my attention that I indicated, you know, aren't viable just due to the proximity to water source, water supply sources or neighborhoods. Um, one of the considerations when you cite a dog park is elevation. Um, even if it's an isolated location, if it's at a high plateau, the, the, the sound is going to travel far. Um, if it's in a valley, it won't travel very far. If there's a lot of vegetation, it won't travel far. So there's a lot of sighting associated with it um, to, to try to mitigate the impacts. Weren't there four, I don't know, four or so properties that were evaluated a year or two ago? Yeah, we looked at um, we looked at the lower portion at the senior center. Mm -hmm. We've looked at um, a piece of land the town owns over a Boundary Street. 
we yeah. looked at a piece of land um, that the water department owns over kind of across the street from the golf course um, that is not part of the watershed, uh, the, not part of the um, wellhead protection zone for uh, the Brigham Street well. And we've looked at a couple of private, privately owned parcels. Um, so we've we've looked and um, uh, they're they're all potentially viable, but they need to be vetted. Scott, was that a list of your five candidates? Just That's now? a list of properties that I'm aware of. Um, there's going to be, a, uh, it, it was, it's literally, it was literally me in a room with a GIS on the computer <laughs> and Northboro right. Unleashed clicking around at parcels that look like they work with topography on. I thought there Could were be properties a little that more were, than that. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought there were properties that were reviewed a year or two ago that were ruled out. Are those under consideration as part of this, or these are all five brand new, never considered? There were properties that were ruled out. Yes. One of the properties was um adjacent to watson park um the municipally owned lyman street well is right there that's not a viable location um it's not a viable use in, in, in a um a zone one for a wellhead protection there are any of these the ones that were looked at previously i guess i'm oh but these all five so, yeah. brand new ones or are these ones that are reconsidering I, the, i'd have to look at the list i'd have to look at the list leslie but i believe one or two of them are were, were seen before as, okay. as potentially right, sure. viable. Well, okay. what, what what wasn't done before is a neighborhood charrette, you know, do a public notice to everybody in the neighborhood with some drawings and some boards and say, we're here. Uh, let's talk about whether this is something that you want in your neighborhood. Okay. All right. Thank you. So, so how long might it possibly take to find the five potential locations for them to do an analysis on? I would estimate this to be probably a six to nine month process. You know, okay. I would go backwards from the uh, Stanton Foundation grant application timeline and work my way backwards from there. You know, if their grants are due in September every year and this is awarded in July, well, that turned into a 15 month project right away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if theirs are due, you know, at another month, then it's a different story. Okay. So you're basically, uh, you and Allie might be, who, who else is involved in looking at the potential locations? I mean, as far as submitting five locations for them to do the analysis on. I would work with Allie, um, okay. North Bro Unleashed, um, mm -hmm. town administrator's office, conservation agent, you know, town planner, um, open space, just okay. whoever has ideas. I mean, I, yeah. I don't want any parcel left unturned, so to speak. Yeah. What was it that happened, if you don't mind, with the Yellick property? Just out of curiosity. That didn't we, go according we were working to working with was a DCR. We we're working with the state to build um, a dog park and they were actually offering a, I believe it was a matching grant. Yeah. And we, they agreed to allow us to use the property down by Yalek conservation. Yeah. So we went forward and we were able to raise the money, the, the portion that we needed to come up with in less than 48 hours. That's how much the town wants a dog park. <laughs> right. And um, it was reviewed again through the state and determined that it wasn't in an appropriate location. So okay. it was denied. Okay. All right. That's that's what I was thinking, but yeah. Okay. So do you still have all that money? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was returned. Oh, okay. All right. But but the but the funding sources are probably hopefully still as enthusiastic. Yes. Okay. I, I'm not concerned about raising 
money and, you know, if there's what's needed, the people really want it. My main concern yeah. is the location because, yeah. you know, 80% of the people want it and a hundred percent don't want it near their house. So it makes it very tricky to come up with this. That's why we've been doing this for over 10 years. <laughs> we can't, you know, we could come up with a parcel and say, this is big enough for a dog park, but it's too close to people's homes or, you know, whatever, it's too close to water. It's too, you know, there's, there's all these different issues that we have to go through and people are getting frustrated because we're not, they think we're not moving on this fast enough, but there's just such a large process to this program to get the dog park into town mm. that it's, you know, it's not just finding a piece of land and having it built. Um, it's unfortunately, it's a project that a lot of people don't want anywhere near their properties. So it, it becomes a very tricky situation. Hmm. Well, Allie and Scott, I, I, we need to sum up your presentation here quick, pretty quickly, but I want to say that I, I'm going to I think I'm echoing what I hear members saying, and I think I'm a little curious about it too, and forgive me because I haven't been part of the process of, of looking for the dog park, but if you've been at it for this long and you knew where some sites failed, uh, I'm surprised you haven't narrowed it to maybe one or two. Is the process going to end up uh, with you know, disagreement on the right site? And is it too much citizen input? You know, too many choices, so to speak? You know, it just seems like, um, I confess, I thought you were closer to knowing which of your sites is likely to be the one that fit. Then it sounds like we got maybe five sites and we need outside money for, for the plans, which will be pretty, but maybe not any better recognition for which of those five is likely to uh, be suitable and be acceptable to the town. You, you see what I'm saying? The, 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 the process for the funding we're requesting is not to hire a landscape architect to do five conceptual designs and have us sort of pick one from, from bouncing around neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. It's to have um, the landscape architect work with us to identify which of the 10 parcels we think are viable, which ones are actually viable um, when it comes to potable water and parking and wetlands and um, the size and amenities needed to accommodate a Stanton, grant, a Stanton Foundation grant. Mm -hmm. And then to engage the public uh, in the area, if that is a, a, a usable parcel um, and they want and, they, and the neighborhood wants it, and then advance that one parcel with a land survey to a preliminary design level, at which point we could seek funding to the Stanton Foundation. So that's the, the process, not to develop five pretty dog park pictures for five parcels and then try to figure out which one. I wanna vet the parcels first. Will these work for a dog park, Mr. Dog Park expert? Yes, they will. Okay, let's go into the neighborhoods and talk to them. Let's see if it's a viable, solution here and then find the one that makes everybody happy and move forward with that one. That's, that's how I envision this going forward. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, John, summary. I think for, oh, I'm sorry. I think for a stage two, we were going to come to you with a location that we, we think is the number one most viable location. 
So we're not going to be coming back to you saying, oh, here's the five choices. What should we do? You know, this, this stage one is going to be just narrowing it down to what is the best location that we can have in town. Understand. Thank you. We'll, uh, I think, you know, it sounds like we're going to need more discussion on this and we're planning to take it up the next session. Okay. Appreciate your, uh, your time preparing it though. Uh, we're going to move on to, to our next, thank you, Allie. Uh, it's 818. We're going to move on to our next set of presentations. And next up is, um, design of ADA accessible trail at the senior center. This is being sponsored by the trails committee in association with the open space committee. Um, and it looks like we have Brian Belfer of the trails committee and open space committee and Mia, our conservation agent at the moment, ready to help us. Hi guys. Good, e good evening. Good evening. I'm going to give you the floor. Um, tell us about this trail at Senior Center. Sure. Uh, the background of the trail is that uh, we're looking to create the, the first ever ADA accessible walking uh, woods trail uh, in the town. Uh, the parcel over at the Senior Center is all town-owned land. Uh, the bulk of it is fairly level, uh, and it seems like the right place to, uh, to put this trail in. Uh, it seems so right that the committee has already uh, laid in a walking trail there just by doing trail work, basic trail work and trail clearing uh, to establish a more accessible type path uh, already. And so this application is for to fund the design of a actual fully paved, fully ADA compliant trail. Excellent. Do you possibly have a map of the proposed trail. I do. Let me figure out how to share it. Hmm. Let's see. Is that a the is? Okay. is that is that visible? Yeah, can you rotate mm -hmm. to, to landscape? Um, yep, one second. Uh, awesome. Great, so we have describing uh, uh, what we're looking at? Sure thing. So we have the senior center, uh, the structure shown as a senior center right here. Uh, we've got the senior center parking lot, and this is a uh, barefoot road uh, vertically on the right side of the map. Uh, this trail would, uh, extend around uh, the existing two ponds. It would run up uh, adjacent to the railroad tracks, not right next to the tracks, but nominally parallel to the tracks, uh, would head off to intersect with an existing uh, trail that's already at Edmond Hill. Uh, it would then come back down towards the senior center, uh, past where the old shooting range was and a couple other old, old usage spots in the woods out there. It would then loop back around the perimeter of the parking lot. So there'd be a point of entry onto it uh, in at least two spots off of the uh, right off the senior center parking lot. What's the total length? That looks amazing. What's the length? Uh, it's about a half mile. Hmm. 
and and I don't know if it's set on it. I didn't quite understand. Is it going to be? What's it constructed of? Uh, it, it would be paved. It is paved. Oh, okay, yes. that makes sense. It would be paved, and it would be graded such to meet uh, ADA requirements. So mm -hmm. it would uh, part of the you know the, in the planning process would be to you know hire the the landscape architect who would advise on where we need to do grade transitions and where we need to possibly alter our nominally proposed path to actually suit the terrain. And what is the maintenance on something like that? Uh, trails committee would do things like brush removal, you know, clearing down trees, all the things we would do on a normal trail. And then I believe we would partner with the DPW on pavement maintenance as far as keeping it, uh, keeping it clear and in good shape. Uh, Scott could, maybe speak to that if that's true or not true. That, 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 that is correct, Brian. Um, this project um, has been submitted previously for, for funding. Um, unfortunately, it was not awarded. We sought uh, grant funding elsewhere for this. Um, you may be aware that the Mass DOT has a shared winter streets and spaces program that they initiated um, when the pandemic started to try to get people outside to be more active. Um, we submitted this under their application and uh, unfortunately was not funded. Um, the Trails Committee worked hard with us and the friends and the conservation agent, as well as um, recreation and trying to um, in developing this, this design you see before you. Mm -hmm. Brian, um, would this be, uh, would you be prohibiting bicycles on this or is That is an interesting question. I, I hadn't considered that. We, um, I don't have an answer to that, whether it would be, whether it would exclude bicycles or not. I don't think so. Um, I would actually imagine that it would be accessible to bicycles and most likely to things like motorized wheelchairs, but I, Hadn't really addressed that point. Members, other questions? Brian, can you talk about the uh, native meadow, meadow planting piece of this? And how is that a, um, frankly, a CPC funding uh, project? Well, you've you've caught me a little bit. I'm actually not super familiar with the meadow planting uh, aspects uh, of this. Well, <laughs> as far as whether meadow plantings, yeah, I'm sorry. What can you repeat the question? No, no, I, and it may be just a vanishingly small part of this. Um, uh, uh, Peter, I may be able to the last the last item on the on the budget. Is it is it literally twelve dollars or is it twelve thousand dollars? <laughs> this is Mia Contrange. It is twelve. I could have seen it's a big seed on Jaguar and Love. Uh, if you're familiar with the seniors are back here towards the rear. The parking lot is a grassier and it was a shame um, to spot after it Yeah, we can't understand I you. Can't, I can't understand what you're saying. Sorry. Can you switch to another type of mic, Mia? Is there some interference? Oh, let me go grab one.
Brian, anything else we need to know about the trail? It, it's a great looking map and prospect. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, the only thing more is just sort of commentary. One of the things that Trails Committee is constantly asked at at things like uh, Apple Fest is, are, are there any um, are there any flat trails? Are there any bike paths that are not, you know, straight up actual <laughs> mountain bike trails? Um, we've had lots of interest from seniors uh, to have a place to be able to 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 walk to walk in the woods. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't. I don't know that we necessarily took a poll, but we get exceptionally high positive feedback from a lot of different users who are interested in having a in having an ADA path like this. Can you hear me? On how incredible to be able to have it at the senior center. I mean, yeah, I agree. Doesn't get any better than that. I mean, indeed, and, and the area, the right. land in the woods around the senior center, especially the I guess it's the southern edge, is very underutilized. There's like some old swing sets from back mm -hmm. when that area was not the senior center. Uh, like I mentioned before, there's the old shooting range in the woods um, from a million years ago. Uh, so the whole spot is really, it's prime for better usage. Um, okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yes. yes. Thank you. If I just go. No, I can't hear you. No, we can hear you though. We can hear you. Can't hear us back. You can hear me. <laughs> Brian yes, says you can hear we me. Can. Yeah, we could hear I you before. Hear you. It was just I'll, you were just, so I'll talk about the seed and then I'll just work on my audio after I mute. So back at the rear of the parking lot, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. there's a there is a grass area. The trail gets a little close to that and it, it's a little boring to walk. So the contractor would just till it up and add it's just a packet of seed that would need to be watered. And and it would allow for a more naturalized area. And it doesn't have to be included as part of the project. It's just a part of the overall design that the landscape architect. Thank you. So, uh, it is $12, not $12,000? $12 of seeds, it sounds like. <laughs> the, um, so the project funding request is for the design services. Uh, the expectation is that um, we would seek um, construction funding through uh, other grant uh, 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 alternatives that are out there. Um, <clears throat> maybe hit MassDOT again. Um, AARP has a grant program, the park grant program, that um, um, there's a, a several grant programs out there that, that would this would be uh, eligible under. Excellent. Uh, any other member comments? Um, mm -hmm. if, uh, if not, nice job, Brian. We're going to... Yeah move on to the next item, which you might also be involved in. Um, this one is preliminary design of pedestrian access on Aqueduct Bridge. Um, also sponsored by Open Space Committee and Trails Committee. Is it you again, Brian? Uh, no, Bob Mahalik, chairman of the committee, should be presenting. He's probably trying to join right now. That's fantastic. I see Bob Mahalik coming up. We are at 829. Can you hear me? Hello, Bob. Bob, you're muted. If you can hear there we Bob. Go. Okay. Hello. Uh, hello. Thank you, Chairman. Um, and members, uh, hello. Happy New Year. Yes, yeah, so this request um, is for uh, originally, actually, was a request to to basically start doing things to get across the the um, Assabet River on the, uh, the historic 
um, aqueduct bridge. Um, we had to revise that um, to the current request that you have in front of you, which is basically to do um, a professional assessment as to what is needed to actually open the aqueduct bridge to pedestrian access. So um, I think it was four or five years ago, the MWRA, who um, currently has care and control of the aqueduct bridge, did a structural assessment. And and the, thankfully, you know, since underneath it, the uh, Stone Arch Bridge is structurally sound. Um, but it's fairly long. It's a 425-foot-long span. And... I think it does require a bit of a bit more professional expertise as to what actually is going to be required to open uh, the surface of that bridge to pedestrian access. Um, and backing up a step too, just to, to kind of put this in context. So several years ago, we got permission from uh, Massachusetts Water Resources Authority to have uh, to open the 4.2 mile long aqueduct corridor that basically goes along the entire eastern edge of Northborough um, to pedestrian access. And we had to do that in phases, mainly because um, somewhat limited resources, but also to things like we're talking about now that require a bit more um, detail and resources in order to, to get done. So the easy part was open first, which is we call phase one which goes from essentially the Marlboro, Westboro border um, up towards the high school, um, cuts across Bartlett Street um, and basically goes up under underneath Route 20 um, and ends right about where uh, the police station is. Um, the second phase is on the northern side of the Assabet River, essentially around where the Rice Avenue parking lot is to Edmond Hill Woods and goes up um, right by the senior center, actually. Um, has a street level crossing on Barefoot Road where the CSX tracks are, and then heads due north up toward Berlin, um, ultimately going right towards Mount Pisgah. And so the nice thing about the aqueduct, once we have it fully open, will be we can connect the Crane Swamp area um, up the aqueduct, um, under Route 20, over the Yasabet, and then all the way up to Mount Pisgah. So it really will, it, it connects essentially the two biggest um, hiking trail areas uh, in, in town uh, with each other. And so back to the aqueduct bridge though. So, you know, because of the, um, some of the technical requirements of getting across it, you know, we're, we're essentially uh, doing this part last um, and we wanted to first, you know, uh, proceed in a way such that we, we have knowledge up front of what's involved. Um, we don't want to have any surprises, you know, and, you know, maybe spend quite a bit of money on say burying some utility wires only to find out that we can't. But that's what this proposal is for. Um, unfortunately I don't have it in front of me and I can't. And Mia may have it um, with her, and I can't really give you an exact breakdown on how we arrived at that dollar figure. Um, we did look at this. Kathy attended our November meeting and, and went over some things with us. Um, 
and I haven't seen it since then. So um, maybe Mia could, could comment on that. The number came from Scantech. MWRA had hired Scantech engineers. Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. To do um, a structural analysis on the bridge because they're the owners and they did it. So they were the ones to, for us to reach out since they already had a lot of the information on the bridge. So we asked them to put together a cost estimate for this work. Um, Scott Charpentier helped with it as well. And they did get back and give us this preliminary estimate. And it doesn't have to go through the bid procurement process because it's for civil engineering design. I had a question about the, the, the number. The, the letter from Stantec suggests that the $133,000 number is based on the conservative assumption that the beams are inadequate to support the anticipated loads. Does that mean that at some point during the study, if they do find that the that the beams are adequate for the loads, that the cost may actually come down? Or is that a, a firm number regardless of what the conclusion is with respect to the uh, load bearing yeah. capacity? Uh, Stantec's contract is um, uh, time and materials not to exceed. So it's, um, you know, it when you when you develop those, those types of uh, contracts as a consultant, um, you hope you hopefully foresee all the possible pitfalls, include them in there. So the number is big and generally all the pitfalls don't come to fruition. So you come in low. Um, that's, that's the goal. And that, that's what, what our hope is. Um, you know, we have no uh, desire to utilize funds that, that aren't needed. And um, Stantec certainly doesn't want to do that either. Um, it has been a few years since they did their uh, non-destructive evaluation of the um, capacity for the for the culvert uh, for the uh, aqueduct, so there may have been additional deterioration, and hopefully they don't need to do um, any substantial destructive analysis. Just to so be clear, we Scott. actually vote a, an up to number for this. Yep. Yep. Okay. yep. Uh, so let me clarify what you just said, Peter, and what you're nodding your head to Scott. Um, this amount of uh, one thirty three thousand. It's possible Stantec won't need as many hours and they'll charge you less, or are they going to build no more than 133? It is possible that they will not use all 133 and charge us less. Is there any way for them to uh, give you a tighter estimate or do you believe this is the best, you know, the, the, the best contractor to use? They have to look under um, the hood first, right? This is the best consultant to use. They did the first phase of the analysis, so they have the data. Um, any other engineer out there who would be hired to do the work would have to self-evaluate that first phase that Stantec has already done. Um, so this is a common practice for engineering firms. Uh, we work with um, <clears throat> several other acronym firms out there, and probably 90% of my contracts are written this way. Um, this way, I don't have, we don't have to go back to the funding source to request additional funds under a change order because I expected everything to go great and something did not. Okay, understood from me anyway. Any other member comments, questions? How does this deal with the, I understand one of the long difficult problems was this, was the national grid lines were too close to the, the footpath and how is that going to be dealt with? 
we, so that's actually what we were going to pursue um, in our um, funding application was the burying of those wires. Um, and then we basically had to take a step back at the recommendation of uh, the town administrator to basically not go ahead with burying the wires right away, but to do this more comprehensive planning. Uh, certainly an assessment, I, we know those wires are too low um, and the national grid said is they, they, they will run them underground um, instead of just raising them up higher, um, basically dig under and, and bury them. So that would be something if we go forward with the project that, that we know has to be done. And then I think what we'll learn too from this uh, professional engineering assessment is potentially other things that we're not aware of, you know, the surface of the, uh, the aqueduct, you know, that, that corridor there, how are we gonna deal with that? You know, for example, one of our ideas was just put pressure treated boardwalk across it. Maybe the engineers would say, no, that's not sufficient. Um, so those sorts of the railings, um, things like that. There's stairs on either end. We'd like to make this ADA accessible. So can we do I that? I just want to get back to my question. It, so you've been in contact with National Grid, though. So it's not like it's just going to be come out of the blue for them and they're never going to do it. Correct. Okay. That was really the my concern. Yeah. I I do have a question on that element uh, to to carry on with it is the work that would have to be done to move or change those utility wires, is that going to be done by National Grid or is that something that we would be responsible for? That's that's National Grid. We would they, would, they, they, would, they would absorb the cost of taking the wires and burying them? We'd have to pay them to do that. Okay. But it would be done by one of their approved contractors. It would be a phase in this project. Okay. Not, not what you're funding now. What you're funding now is just preliminary design. That would be a later phase. Thanks for that clarification, Mia. Um, any other comments, members? We need to keep moving. Just a reminder, we will come back to each of the projects uh, at our next session too. Mm -hmm. But anything, anything else for this one? Bob, did you Very, want to share those photos? Um, I, so I, I realized while I was sitting here during other presentations, they're on my office computer at work and I don't have them here. <laughs> okay. oh. But yeah, maybe I, I can get you guys some some additional information. I, I put together a few PowerPoint slides that I can share before the, the 27th. You know, I'm sensing that, yeah, I, I'm sensing the committee seeks more clarification guys so um any visuals uh and, and more detail on on the number it just seems expensive and i think that that's where a lot of members heads are at even though uh it's a visible and attractive project okay thank you for that um i'm gonna recommend we move on to the next agenda item which is uh it is 841 this is the conservation fund request sponsored by the open space committee for uh, adding additional money to the conservation fund. Is uh, one of the open space committee members speaking to this? That's you, John, isn't it? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Waiting yeah. for my team to come and help me out. I think you had volunteered, John. That's uh, not the way I remembered it. Um, <laughs> anyway. Your track record uh, is so good, nobody could possibly try to. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep this presentation brief then. Uh, the committee has uh, seen this request previously. We have um, approved and the town has voted for several additions to the conservation fund, which we have successfully used to secure uh, land around town, to keep it for recreational use, to keep its beauty from being developed and to add trails, things like the Green Street land, the former Shunder property, uh, other parcels uh, connected to conservation land on Mount Pisgah and, and related properties. So um, we anticipate several more opportunities coming in the next one to two years. The conservation fund does have 700,000 plus in it now. Our goal has always been to try to keep that fund toward 1 million for the prospect of a, a, a large parcel of land coming about quickly where a developer is moving in. So that's our justification for the request. Hearing no comments or questions, we're going to move on to the next <laughs> agenda item. It's 8.43 and uh, we are at the agenda item for a housing authority creation of eight senior rental units. And I'm expecting presenters from the housing authority and or the Northboro Affordable Housing Corporation. Come on down if you're somewhere. Hey, thank you, John. I'm here representing uh, Northboro Affordable Housing and Lynn Tromley, the director of the uh, Northboro Housing Authority should be joining us. I see Lynn coming in, hello. And Rita Osborne, who is the chairman of the Housing Authority uh, Board, is also going to be joining us. Chairman of the Housing Authority uh, Board is also going to be joining us. Hello. Hello, Hello, Lynn. Welcome. Hello, Lynn. Welcome. Hi. Can you guys hear me? We mm -hmm. have some feedback from one of you. Might be from me. Feedback from one of you during a repeat of the of the video. Can you hear maybe me? Doing a repeat of the, of the video. Can you hear me? Maybe. Uh, yeah, so I, I believe, Lynn, we can hear you. I believe there is some feedback. I just muted your mic. Um, so we do hear the, uh, the voice coming through. Um, so if you can just stay muted until you're ready to talk and then mute afterwards. So if you can just stay muted So that way the other audio doesn't loop back. Okay. Something odd going on there, yes. All right, Ken, I'm going to start. Is this okay? Is there any feedback now? You're good, Rick. Okay, I just want to briefly uh, make sure the committee is aware that on December 14th, uh, we informed Kathy Jubert that based on savings from the Habitat for Humanity project to renovate Hitching Post Lane, there's additional reserve money available for this project. And so we sent an email that I think she sent to the... Uh, to your committee, John, that basically stated the fact that there's another $20,000 available in affordable housing reserves, which increases the reserve amount 
um, from the $603,000 number to $623,000 number and reduces the amount of new funding needed from 836,000 plus down to $816,821.72. I just wanna make sure everyone in the committee is where those are the numbers we're now working with. Hmm. Yes. Thank you for the clarification, Rick. That being the case, then I think I'll turn it over to Lynn and uh, she and Rita can make the presentation on the project. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm Lynn Trombley. I'm the director of the North Borough Housing Authority. Um, for those of you that don't know um, too much about us, we have currently have 104 um, elderly handicapped units, 72 on Village Drive, 32 um, on Center Drive, and on top of that, we manage 26 family houses in the town and one um, special needs home. So out of those 104 elderly apartments, we only have um, currently two handicapped accessible units, which is um, becoming increasingly difficult over the years as people continue to age in place. So the state has required over the past couple of years we've gone to um, a centralized waiting list. So we've really increased our applications. I currently have over 5,000 people on my waiting list. Um, increases all the time. 3,000 of those are probably families and over 2,000 are elderly. So we've always been, you know, interested in creating more housing. And we do have it at um, Village Drive, we have a vacant lot of land that's in between two of our buildings. And um, we've always thought about building on it, but haven't never have really had the funding for it. Um, back in, I believe it was 2006, I think that was the last time the housing had already put in an application. We had asked for $50,000 to do a feasibility study. Um, on the land and it was denied um, at the time, just saying they didn't really want to do anything on um, with studies. So um, about two years ago, the state released a public housing note saying that they were offering um, some money for elderly housing, which again, I hadn't seen um, in the 20 years that I've, that I've been there and is what they, if, if you met the criteria and we're able to get out of the funding, they'll give us um, $75,000 for each unit of um, regular housing and then an additional $50,000 if the units are handicapped. So um, we were hoping to be able to build eight units and get $800,000 um, from the state and um, on top of that, like I said, we were regulated by the Department of Housing and Community Development. Um, we pretty much, you know, have to maintain ourselves. They only give us reserve when we absolutely need it to, um, to keep running. So we did have $200,000 put aside for a project to, because um, we wanted to redo our maintenance garage but with you know, COVID and the cost of how much projects are, it's 
a lot more money. So we, the board, had agreed that maybe we could put this two hundred thousand towards this, um, so that we could, between our state funds and this, um, come up with a uh, million dollars. So to ensure that the land was um, was buildable, um, I reached out to Mass with Rick to Mass Housing Partnership, where they had a grant and agreed to do a, um, a study on the land to make sure that it was buildable. So they hired an engineer who came out and did that. And um, he said after the study that was definitely buildable, that utilities um, could uh, handle it, that the infrastructure was fine. So um, we went through that. And then I had another concern about parking that we wouldn't be able to accommodate um, additional parking. So I spoke to Mass Housing Partnership about that. And they did an amendment to the um, agreement and they allowed us to have a parking study also, which is in still in process. But he did come back to me and tell me that he believed that we definitely could put in another 20 spaces. So parking, um, shouldn't be it either. So after um, the housing authority did that, um, we went ahead and we hired an architect to give us a cost estimate of what uh, it would be to build the eight, to build the eight units. And um, as, as I've heard in some of the previous, we do, we do have to obviously publicly bid it. You know, we have to pay Prevailing wages, um, which always makes it uh, more expensive. So, you know, going through all this, he he did give us a cost estimate of I believe it was two million and four hundred dollars to to build these eight units. Um, so, the two-story building, four units of uh, standard uh, elderly housing, and four units of um, handicapped accessible um, units. So we, I had been working, like I said, with the NAAC. Um, I worked with Rick several years ago when we they built four units over on Center Drive that we currently managed. And, um, you know, and this is the first time the state's offered any money, so we're all pretty, pretty anxious and um, excited about the possibility of maybe getting in some more um, housing units because we, we definitely do need them, and we, we definitely especially need need handicapped units, um, uh, no doubt about it. So I really hope that you'll consider our application, um, and um, with that, I'm just going to turn it over to Rena. After, before we take any questions, Rena's the chairman of the Housing Authority Board, and she just wants to say a few words. Thank you. Thank Good you, evening. Rena. Can you hear oh, me? Rita. Yes, Rita. Okay, thank you. My name is Rita Rosemont. Yeah. I'm sorry. I am the chairman of the North Borough Housing Authority and have been a board member with the Housing Authority for a little over 25 years. And in the housing field for a little over 50. The opportunities to build new construction during my tenure has been very few and far between. When DHCD's notice was sent to the housing authorities, it was an opportunity for this housing authority to decide if we were interested in adding to our existing programs and address the needs of the waiting list. 
As Lynn has stated, the proposal has a maximum for one bedroom units and also additional funding for the creation of accessible units for housing authorities that have less than 5% handicapped units. <coughs> Excuse me. As with all proposals, there are conditions and this proposal is no exception. DHCD will consider proposals for new constructions if the Housing Authority can include monies not only from their reserve, but also from other sources such as the CPA, the CDBG, or other available funding. The Board of Commissioners of the North Borough Housing Authority recognize that with this small window of opportunity, we need to move forward and try to obtain funding from all sources. It was unanimously voted by the Board of Commissioners to seek any and all funding available to meet our goal of building these new units. As commissioners, we are committed to keeping with our mission to provide safe, decent housing, which is vitally important, especially those most vulnerable and in need. As chairman, and on behalf of all the board members of the Northborough Housing Authority, we're asking for your support in helping us to achieve our effort to build these units for our most vulnerable so that they too can live in a safe environment. And with this, I thank you for allowing both Lynn and I to give you our small presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Rita, well stated. Thank you. Um, could I just get quickly clarification on something I heard Lynn say, and maybe I didn't read deeply enough, but if there's eight units, uh, four would be specified for elderly, units, uh, four or for handicap accessible, but not necessarily elderly. Four or for handicap accessible, but not necessarily elderly. Um, well, the housing authority take how it works is we have um, to take third. 15.5% of people that are under 60 and deemed um, disabled. So we only take somebody under 60 when we get below our 13.5%. So it's 88.5% elderly and um, like I said, 13.5% of people that can be under 60 and deemed disabled. But those four units that are accessible, would they have to be only two um, disabled people? What do you mean by that? I'm sorry, say that again. What do you mean by that? I, I'm asking if those four units would be designated I'm asking only if those to accessibility needed needs or disabled. The proposal the handicapped units would be for would be, would be for handicapped accessible people, right. either Only. wheelchair okay. or walkers, ADA okay. compliant. I would also add to that, Millie, that there's a waiting list of handicapped people who need these things. So Lynn would have no problem putting four handicapped people into those four units. 
Yeah, I I thought so. Members, other questions? Yeah, I'll, I'll, this is a reoccurring question that I have, and I may have figured out my own answer to it, but if the, the CPC allows you to do rental assistance programs, and you know, you're gonna spend a, you know, a couple million dollars building eight units, why wouldn't you be better off using that money and rental assistance to help more people on the list? Well, I think I'll answer that. The reason would be well, that rental assistance is a different program. And what we're looking for is to assist on the existing program of the housing authority to assist not only the disabled, but also low-income seniors. And that would be the purpose of us building an additional eight units, which would address a very small portion of our waiting list, but at least we'd be committed to addressing some of those issues. I think also, Todd, one of the issues is the lack of places to put low-income people who need housing. So right. even with an active rental assistance program, finding real estate in which someone you could give them rental assistance to get into is extremely limited. So I think the state, which in the past hadn't been looking to build more units, has realized that their biggest issue is lack of space. And so now they've got an incentive program incenting housing authorities to build more. So I think, I think the need right now is for more units to be created. Well, and I thought was the, as I was just kind of poking around, I was, that might've been where I was even coming out to is there just may not be that many places to give rental assistance to in Northborough, mm -hmm. right? That's okay. definitely true. I'd like to add one more comment um, I've had a conversation with John Kadir relating this ARPA funding, which the town is going to be receiving, all the towns are going to be receiving. One of the things that ARPA money is supposed to go towards is um, creation, supporting of affordable housing. So I asked John if there was a possibility that in fact, some of the opera money the town was going to be getting could be directed towards this project and reduce the amount of CPA funding. His response was, it's very early in the game. He's just trying to figure out right now what he's going to do with the money and how he's going to use it. He's going to be getting it in two lumps, one for fiscal 23 and one for fiscal 24. But he feels that this is a reasonable project that he'd be willing to discuss what the possibilities might be. You know, I told him that you know, obviously you guys have to get Warren articles created by sometime in early February. And so the decision time here isn't that great, but he felt that as the month of January goes on, he may be clearer in terms of what he may be able to do or not. So uh, I think something else that might be reasonable is to get some further input from John prior to the 27th of January to see where he is and he didn't commit anything at this point, except to say he'd be willing to discuss the possibility. So just sort of keep that in mind and John Campbell, maybe uh, 
I can work with you to set up a time with John Kadir just to talk through where he is and is there any possibility that this number could be further reduced by some use of ARPA funds. I'm, I'm not saying that because I feel it's particularly likely only that John is considering all of his options right now and he didn't tell me that he would not consider this. Uh, good. I was going to ask you if you had a plan to follow up to John, if you can get an audience with him, even a conference call is fine um, to get him to reveal a little better, whether that's a possibility. It would be great information to have either by the end of the month or, or even uh, early February. This is certainly the largest uh, request this year and one of the largest that we've ever considered and our our slate is full, so we're going to be needing to make some decisions. Uh, but a hugely important project. Uh, housing is one of our three core tenants of community preservation programs. And uh, I think we want to give it every opportunity to, to be vetted fully, so that's, that's good. Um, do you want to take the lead to reach out to when John could talk about it since you're the detail guy and he's got the details that we don't know and I'll be more of the listener. Yeah, I had left it with him that after this meeting tonight, based on how this discussion went, I would get back to him, give him an update and I'll give him a call back and see how, how we would like to organize some sort of a, a follow-up to get a better idea of where this may go if it goes anywhere. Yeah, that's fine. If he prefers we come see him, that's okay with me too, uh, but whatever's most convenient for John, he's the busiest guy in town these days. Yeah. All right. I'll follow up with him and we'll see if that leads us anywhere else. So, but in meantime, we are still pursuing, I know Lynn is, and we and the housing corporation keep pursuing other funding sources at this point, nothing else has come up, but you never know. But I think the, the most reasonable one to pursue right now is ARPA. Uh, very good. Um, and there's a lot of numbers thrown around in the applications. So I'm just going to summarize on your behalf. Um, essentially, pre-approved CPA money provided to the NAHC, but under agreement kept in the town until needed, um, is listed as uh, four line items still available. And to utilize them, our board would need to approve to extend those agreements. Uh, and then I think you're adding in the, the uh, housing reserve account in CPA in addition to your total. And then as you just mentioned, uh, the, uh, the additional change. So 623,000 comes from essentially CPA housing reserves, correct? I'm sorry. Yeah, that's correct. Number of different items, but that's correct. They, the only change is the additional twenty thousand now. Correct. So you know we we'd have some housekeeping business as a committee to go through those, but uh, we don't need to discuss it in detail tonight. Just wanted that to be clear, and then uh, to meet the budget, um, we have. Um, 800,000 in state money available, 200,000 in housing authority reserve available. Uh, 
and the remainder is the basis of your application, although reduced by the amount you just mentioned in the beginning of your presentation. The only thing I want to clarify, which I think we talked about, maybe didn't talk about, but the 800,000 of state money is, is dependent on an application, which Lynn will submit um, if in fact the project is approved uh, by the CPC, she'll submit an application to the state um, requesting um, that this money be provided for this project. The state is going to want confirmation. You know, the, the town is in support of the project. I talked to John about that also, that if the CPC grants approval, even in advance of town meeting, that the town could provide a letter that would go along with Lynn's application stating that the Community Preservation Committee and the town is in support of this project. I think that's all the state would wanna see at this point. Then Lynn would make application to the state. The feedback she's gotten from her contacts is that it's a good project, but obviously until she submits an application to the state, um, nothing can be decided and the state won't, will not consider the application until Lynn can present the balance of the funding being explained. So we have to go first, if you will, and then she can submit the application. So that $800,000 is there, but until she submits the application and the state says yes, then that money is not at this point guaranteed. But at least everything we're hearing is they think it's a reasonable project and it, if the money exists, it could be funded. That's where we are with the state right now. Oh, forgive me, I wasn't listening correctly. Um, does the state need to see that the CPC committee approved it or does the state need to wait for town meeting vote? I think it'd be sufficient for the state to see that the CPC approved it and the town administrator and the town are behind it. Approved it and yeah. the town administrator and the town are behind it. Thank you. Um, Great summary. Um, we have a lot of information in the application as well. And then we've got this potential, uh, I think we should flush out with town administrator, whether the burden on the CPC, for instance, can be reduced or not. Um, are there any other questions from members of any of our, I guess we're just kind of uh, combining really the, the end of our agenda, uh, but of Rick or Rita or Lynn. Members? So how much would eight units, um, how many affordable housing units do we actually have? In, do you know in town? Do you know that number, Rick? Uh, I do not. I know that we're at about 11% affordable, but I don't know how that comes down to exact number of units. Okay. But as it says in the application, these eight units would qualify to be added to the inventory. So they would increase the count and increase exactly. the percentage. Yeah, I was just curious as to whether it would be by much, but probably not really. No, but if, once again, um, if you want to stay at 10% affordable, adding eight units offsets the creation of 80 market rate units. Mm-hmm. Right. So eight's a good number as far as comparing to what it does in terms of managing against market rate development. Yeah. 
Hmm. Pardon me, anyone else? John, I just uh, restate what, what Jeff um, Lynn already mentioned um, regarding the, the handicap units and the lack thereof um, currently. Um, and she mentioned, you know, those that are the aging in place within, um, you know, our existing um, elderly and disabled units, um, oftentimes there's a need for not only just handicap, but um, simply a first floor unit. Um, the two complexes on Center Drive and Village Drive are both two-story buildings. Obviously, the second floor um, are not accessible um, for those that have difficulty with stairs. Um, so that alone is a challenge. So adding the four um, handicap units would be a big benefit to um, likely some residents who are already in um, existing units. And I think that's important for the committee to consider. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I just uh, hearing you speak, Andy, I want to uh, say how great it is to have a representative on the committee for housing. It's been a while. Um, and the combination with uh, Rick, Lynn, and Rita is is uh, refreshing because we, we just haven't had uh, that much specific emphasis on housing projects. Obviously, uh, Rick and the NAHC have been the, the main voice, but uh, this looks like a good collaboration. Mm. So yes. I'm, I'm pleased it to is. have that. Well, I assume, John, you'll want us at the January 27th meeting? Yes, uh, please, if, if any of you are available, um, that'd be great. I think the, this one will take uh, a lot more discussion and we may have more numbers at that time, so that would be good. Um, Lynn, uh, please forgive if you can hear me, but th there's something in your computer um, that, pr that creates the feedback. And also, when you were speaking, it was clipping a lot. I don't know if I'm the only one who heard it, but um, so if you could check that because it was distracting and I really wanted to hear more of what you had to say. But thank you again uh, for the presentation. Is there anything else by any other member on, on this application? And if not, we'll uh, move the discussion to the next meeting. Anyone? Okay, great. And once again, thank you all for your participation in, in these uh, housing applications. And it's a big project. It's a good one. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, members, uh, I am going to uh, recommend we postpone consideration of minutes because I don't know where they are. <laughs> do it at the next meeting. Um, I didn't see him, but I might have missed it. And again, uh, we're suffering from the Kathy Jubert gap already, but uh, mm. we'll, we'll be we'll catch up. Um, I just wanted to ask. Uh, so we have seven of us present, which is certainly fine to to continue. The next meeting is, is uh, Thursday, January twenty seven. Are all members still good with that date? Mm -hmm. And we planned uh, the following week, February three, as a contingent. Uh, we may very well need it. Is everybody still okay with that too? Yep. Okay, great. I don't have anything else to bring up then. Does anyone else, any other business? Uh, speaking of gaps, Mia, is, is Mia still here? Mia, no. She oh. is, she is in the attendees right now. Oh, okay. Can we call Mia back? This is, Mia's leaving us too. What? 
I think she's listening. There she is. I see a trail. Hi. I see Hi. her. Hi. It was all a hoax. You're not really leaving too, right? I am. I am. I'm going to no. going to the state. So. That's exciting. Congratulations again, but it's going to be a huge loss. I just want to thank you so much for everything you've done for us. Yeah. I'll be your circuit rider. So if you have any questions about wetlands, you can still call. I'll have, <laughs> have a new number. Northboro will still be one of my towns. When are you making the transition? I started DEP on January 31st. I believe my last day in Northboro will be January 21st. Um, but I've missed some work due to, uh, to family issues. So I may stay a little longer and make sure things are in good condition before I go. Great, appreciate it. Uh, I guess uh, specific to the application you supported tonight, um, if you can um, help, it, whether it's Bob or and or Brian that present further on the aqueduct, if you can help them with clarif clarifications, and, and uh, you know, I'll pitch in where I can. Okay, mm. thank you. Thank you. Good luck to you. We'll miss you. Thank yeah, you. yeah. Very well, uh, unless anyone has any more business, I would ent entertain a motion to uh, adjourn tonight's meeting while keeping the open hearing open. So I'll make that motion. Thank you, I'll take a roll call vote. Please say your approval or denial when I call your name. Peter. Aye. Leslie. Aye. Andy Dowd. Andy Clark. You're muted. You asleep already, Andy Clark? <laughs> <laughs> Andy. Uh, I'll move to Millie. Aye. Todd. Yes. Me is yes. Uh, we will just assume Andy Clark abstained. Andy abstained. <laughs>